Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ozbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. You have tuned in for the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I put them to an expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Wednesday, the 25th of January. Let's get into the panel because uh, they're never short of uh, succinct analysis. Yes, I'm talking about Andrew Weiland from DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Our uh, favourite Queenslander, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Koshi, thanks for that uh, generous introduction. I'll have to uh, keep that in mind for later on. Yeah, now you better live up to it. Uh, and also uh, joining us from Marcus today, Professor Henry Jennings. Uh, good to see you two days in a row. I know, I know. It's good, yeah, isn't it's it? No tie today, though. No, no tie, but hot. live in the studio. Live. Um, Andrew, yesterday as part of the call, the professor took us back to the phony war of 1938 <laughs> to 1940 to make a point. So um, it was it was an intriguing session yesterday. I'm disappointed I missed it. <laughs> I'm uh, waiting, waiting with patient breath as to what awaits us in the next 50 minutes. Okay, months. well, I, I will point you to the... Ausbiz uh, platform where you can catch up on the call from yesterday. Um, let's take a look at the five stocks uh, that we'll cover in the first half hour that you wanted us to have a look at. Uh, Fisher and Paykel, uh, the Beta Shares Energy Transition ETF, the Global AX Copper Miners ETF, uh, DGL Group, Washington H.O.L. Patterson are on the five. Uh, stock of the day, Thought we'd take a look at mineral resources. Uh, what a couple of days it's had. Uh, after a booming day yesterday on the market with the share price getting close to 100 bucks, um, anyhow to record levels at the time, uh, share price down today after an update. Uh, mineral is saying output guidance for its lithium mine, uh, the Mount Marion mine ramp up has been pushed back due to the delayed supply of processing equipment and labor shortages. Uh, second quarter iron ore shipments were also down by 9%. So, um, Henry Jennings, one of your favorite stocks, um, gave back a bit of yesterday's gains. Uh, what do you think of Minres? It has been a meteoric rise, hasn't yep. it? Yep. Uh, and I guess some of the things that they're talking about are go to the whole core of the lithium story to some extent, because yep. we are seeing cost overruns. We are seeing supply chain issues. We are seeing delayed production. Um, yep. And this this kind of theory that all this supply is suddenly going to hit the market and then you get Minres saying well you know what actually guys maybe it isn't right. maybe we're delaying a little bit so that will keep the lithium price higher for longer uh, Minres has just been an absolute standout superstar and it is one of the three stocks that I have been looking at if you were going to start a portfolio where would you start right. it's one of the three stocks that I suggested um, 
that would be a core of that portfolio. Oh. So I think this well, is... Uh, uh, what were the other two? Uh, the other two were Macquarie. Right. And funnily enough, James Hardy. Oh, bit of a oh, bit of a bit of a um, sort mm, of. I didn't um, expect that from you. No, well, I didn't expect that yeah. from me either. But yeah. the more, <laughs> but <laughs> to be honest, the more I looked at it, the more sort of um, it, it's just. Mm. I guess it's sort of a counter uh, in terms of if you right. think that the US isn't going to slow yeah. down quite that much, yep. and we are seeing some signs of a housing recovery. Slightly. Okay, so uh, back to MinRes. Min UBS came out yesterday and said. Look, they expect a spike in, in lithium in the next 12 to 18 months yeah, this is after that coming down. <laughs> they change their mind about every month, don't they? I know. They, they change their mind more often than I change my socks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, Minres is a quality act. It's got exposure to both quality kind of resources going at the moment, iron ore and lithium. Yeah. These delays, well, you know, this is going to happen. It's, I think it's fantastic the stock's down 5% today because it was getting very kind of overbought. Mm. It'd be lovely to sit down another 5% because then it would be even more compelling. Right. Chris Ellison's done a great job. Yep. There was some rumours around as well about them floating off the US lithium assets, which are really small in the big scheme of things. Um, but um, they seem to be denying that. Okay. So for me, Minrays is still a fantastic story despite this little setback. In fact, it gets better because if it fell another 5%, it would just look even more compelling. So okay. really happy to High be levels, so are you, are you buying at these levels? I'd love to wait till tomorrow. Right. Because you know, we'll probably get some broker downgrades. There's a lot of uh, exuberance and hope baked into this stock and it's just disappointed. Right. A little bit, so we wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see some broker downgrades tomorrow. Um, but you know, if it got back down to eighty three, eighty four, right, load up. So hold if you're in. Hold if you're in. Buy if, at eighty three. If, if you're not in, maybe give it a day or two to to let this all wash through. But uh, I think you know, at the end of the day, the lithium price is going to stay high okay. for longer because of what Minrez has said today, and because of what Almamal has said as well, and what Pilbara said. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not easy bringing on production. Yep. It's not just flick the switch and off you go. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. takes time. Okay. Andrew, what do you think of Minrez? Yeah, I, I don't mind it. And certainly sage advice from the professor relating to maybe just, uh, that's going to stick as well, um, relating <laughs> to sort of just waiting a day or two. As we know, it's sort of two or three uh, days for good or bad news to wash through a company. So uh, Henry's right, tomorrow there'll be a whole lot of downgrades come through and that may see some further price weakness, but it is absolutely a quality business with quality management in the right space at the right time and sort of in that 80 to 85 mark is the sweet spot. So it's a hold if you're in there, uh, a patience and I reckon under a week, uh, I'm not sure it'll get to 80 to 85, but certainly if it continues to come off into the 80s, I'm very interested. Okay. All right, let's get to the stocks that uh, you want to take a look at. Gary wants a view, Andrew on Fisher and Paykel, uh, one of the three biggest respiratory care device companies in the world, humidifiers, masks, consumables and the like, a uh, big global health tech business. Uh, what do you think of Fisher and Paykel? Yeah, it's had a fairly um, volatile time of it, as mm. I'm sure we'll see when we when we sort of start talking about price action. It is uh, a, it is a quality business. Um, it's a healthcare business. So obviously, it's defensive, and in sort of where the world is at the moment, uh, not too bad having a couple of defensive ones in there to to balance out your mineral resources that are, are bouncing around a bit. Um, 
but overall, it's perverse. But you know, every time we see these spikes in COVID, and in particular now, of course, in China, it's actually good news for their. They've got two main businesses: sort of their hospital hardware business and also their mask business. So the hospital hardware business is actually going to do pretty well, you know, by virtue of what's going on with COVID at the moment. Not only demand from China, of course, but also the US. So that side of the business is going well. And their mask business is performing、um, pretty well, also. Got to remember, there's some currency things in play there, given what's going on with the、uh, the US dollar starting to back off a little bit. But as we just saw there before, the last sort of three odd months or so, that share price has started to turn back around, and actually technically is looking pretty interesting after a fair bit of time there, where it's been under a bit of pressure. PE though is probably demanding. It's 37 times earnings, remembering the markets around 18, 19 times, and if we compare it to its peers, peers are trading at about 34 times. So arguably, it's probably about 10% overpriced,、right. uh, but it's got a strong return on equity. But again, not as strong as ResMed. It's about a 15% return on equity. ResMed 26. So push comes to shove, it's a hold. I prefer ResMed as a business, but from a technical、mm. point of view, technically. Uh, momentum and so forth. It's a buy, but if we're taking the view that we're looking for quality businesses with all the metrics we just spoke about, I'd probably prefer ResMed. Okay, Henry.、Um, I'm going to actually be a bit controversial. I probably prefer Fisher and Paykel, only because it's got a bit more diversity of earnings. It's still in that mask space. It's still in、yep. the sleep apnea space. It's still in the machine space. Because、uh, it does make machines as well, that you know, ResMed's not got the the landscape to it all to itself in terms of those、uh, those machines, CPAP machines. Th- this one's been on a really good roll, though, to be honest. And maybe at these kind of levels, as Andrew says, it's not the cheapest thing in the world.、Right. It has recovered really well, and of course, that's some of it's because of the rebound in the use of、uh, of their consumables in hospitals、um, and their respiratory、um, kind of products. And we have had flu season, of course, in the, in、yep. the UK, Europe, etc. And you would imagine they're going to do relatively okay out of the China reopening to some extent.、Uh, even if they're not in, directly involved, some of their competitors will be supplying to China, which will leave a gap for them. So I like this one, but it, given the run, I think it's a hold. Right. Okay. All right.、Um, everyone. It, You've had to be patient in this stock, though. You've had to be、you? patient in ResMed as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, everyone loves ResMed. Everyone says it's fantastic. I mean, the, these guys、um, have done a great job, and it's a you know that they're the market leaders. But you know, Philips are in there. They've had some problems,、yes. of course.、Yeah. Fisher and Paykel are in there. There's a bunch of new kids on the block coming、right. through as well with、okay. snappy CPAP machines and、uh, smaller ones and lighter ones and quieter ones. So they haven't got it all to themselves. Okay.、Um, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good theme, but. You've had to be patient, and、mm. it has been a bit sort of left in the wilderness、okay. for a while. All right,、uh, we've got Andrew on the panel today, so of course we、uh, take advantage of the ETF whisperer. And、uh, Andrew, Mike wants a view on the Beta Shares Energy Transition ETF. Thanks, Koshi. I thought I was going to get away with that by throwing Henry under the professor bus, but、uh, obviously no. it wasn't that. No, no, no. <laughs> we've got long memories. <laughs> Thank you. That's really appreciated.、Uh, not,、uh, yeah. Look, this one's been going only since what did my notes say? Only since October, and so therefore October 2022, and so therefore the funds under management's pretty light on. It's only about 12 million, but again, you know, don't even go in a couple of months, so no great surprise there. And what they're really playing into is this whole decarbonisation, electrification theme. 
you've got the whole broad basket, copper, lithium, nickel, cobalt, graphite, manganese, rare earths, you name it, they're, they're doing it. Well, they're all sexy. Um, look, and, and with due respect to, um, you know, the ETF providers, and again, these are more active ETFs, you know, they're the thematic ETFs. Yeah. They're the ones that are, dare I say, it's sexy, as opposed to, we'll talk about one a bit later on, which is probably a little bit more... Um, vanilla but you know it suits a purpose in itself as well so um, it's ticking all the right boxes 36 global companies in there push comes to shove i'm probably a no on this one koshi um and i'm sure mr henry's has just had that ever happened before i'm I'm, I'm in shock yeah (laughs) why Why (laughs) it must be horrible if you're a no on it no, no, no. no. What, what I was about to say was that um, if, if we, and I'm being very clear here, relating to that decarbonisation and electrification, electrification thematic, then I actually really just like BHP because it ticks a number of the boxes, not all the, the areas that I just covered off on, but BHP does a really good job in covering off on all that. Obviously, though, it's really concentrated because it's one company. Yeah. But so if you're looking for that broader spread, nothing wrong with this at all. This is this will do the job. It gives you good global expo- um, exposure, etc. But for me, the best company on the ASX that's going to play both of those um, thematics is BHP. Oh, so on that basis, I'm out. Right. But certainly, hmm. this is okay. All right. Uh, Professor, do I need to even go to you? No, no words. Okay. <laughs> no words. Um, I, I'm, I'm shocked and stunned that, that my, my good friend, the Whisperer, has, has picked a stock over an ETF. I mean, at the end of the day, these, these kind of newfangled ETFs are just basically managed funds yep. under another name. Yeah, yeah but, but with a low... With a low management, management fee, which yeah. is good, and no performance fee, which is good, yep. so you're not yeah, wasting yeah. money on the fees. But that means also that you're not getting a lot of active input. You know, right. it's kind of set and forget. There's your basket, Antofagasta, Pilbara, IGO, Southern Copper, right. set and forget, there you go, that's right. it. So there's not actually that much to do. There's a bit of rebalancing every okay. now and then, but there's not actually much to do. Um, this one hasn't been going very long. I am stunned that Andrew's picked BHP over this one. But, um, you know- You're, you're, me, you're not going to, but actually stun us and say yes no. you'd be in it no no i no. didn't i mean so. it's got it's got seven percent in pilbara and you know if you really want to play this game pilbara stands out yeah, yeah. like yeah. the proverbial um i don't know much about antifagasta okay. um that's seven percent as well but um no i think you know andrew i'm going to agree with him bhp still remains yeah the big Australian that's diversified and got exposure to new age yeah. metals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the exceptional lithium, and then you go for mineral resources. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you uh, uh, look at the fees, and no, I've just been having a look at the uh, superannuation fund returns for oh, last right. year at the moment, just on fees and paying people big amounts of money and performance <laughs> fees, uh, and asking the question why the hell would you put your money in a superannuation fund at the moment? Um, I'm I'm stunned. Balanced, balanced funds, um, which include some growth of so the big superannuation funds, lost five percent in 2022. When yep. if you look at the accumulation index on the ASX, it was down one percent when you add dividends back in. And they're meant to be experts, and I looked up the salaries of investment managers. <laughs> of the fund. They're between six hundred and one point eight million dollars a year. Can you just what say, the hell are they doing? Can you just say that again a little louder for my boss? 
<laughs> because you know it, it is extraordinary isn't it and we talked about this yesterday with AWC as well yeah. didn't we with the, yeah, yeah. with the board there there are some big big salaries around for doing absolutely nothing well not just absolutely nothing but doing worse than absolutely nothing yeah. in, in some cases so um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's an industry on. problem, but you know, there's there's harbourside mansions to fund. You know? yeah. they, don't, they don't pay for themselves. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, let's get off our hobby horse. Um, <laughs> another another ETF whisperer. Um, this one from Malcolm. Um, this is a fascinating one because I think Henry has been talking about this in the last couple of months of last year, saying copper is the forgotten metal in EVs and. Um, and going forward, I th was it you, Henry, that said copper would be the, the lithium of 2023? Uh, I think it was. Yes. But, but I wasn't so, alone. So Malcolm wants a view on the Global X Copper Miners ETF. Is this a way of, of hedging into copper, Andrew? Uh, yeah, so I'm probably warmer on this one, Koshi, simply because the sort of bigger end of the copper market here in Australia, there's not really a great deal of choice. Um, I mean, if you think about Oz Minerals as an example, it's uh, now going to get taken out by BHP. We're not sponsored by BHP today, but they seem to be getting a pretty good run. Um, again, though, this one has only recently been uh, listed since November, so uh, not really a great track record. Right. Might add, though, over the same period of time, it's accumulated $20 million funds under management relative to that other ETF over a similar time period that's only got right. 12. Same same thematics that we were just running through before, electrification, decarbonisation, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'd actually be more inclined to have this in here, plus the uh, demand for copper is on the rise as well. Uh, it's just broken through $4 a pound from memory. So, you know, if we're a believer in the reopening trade with China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm more inclined to have this one in here if you're looking to try and play a specific copper trade. Because if you look at what's left here in Australia, I mean, what have we got? We've got Sandfire. And Sandfire's had an amazing run. Uh, but, you know, current prices is probably looking a little expensive. Or, again, you know, you just have some BHP in there as well. So, you know, trying to make it a little bit more interesting for this answer, Koshi, uh, this one would be a buy on weakness but, okay. because I like copper. But having said that, still hard to beat BHP. Yeah. Okay. Henry, what are the options for copper in Australia? Well, Apart from Sampire, as Andrew, as, as Andrew says, it, it's not easy. Well, there was one I wrote about actually in the newsletter this morning, New Century Resources, which right. code NCZ, which used to be New Century Zinc uh, with the Century Project up in Queensland. But they've right. now got the Mount Lyle Copper Project ah. in uh, northwest Tasmania, just outside right. Queenstown. Stock's up 13% today. I don't know what I, you know, I must have oh. tapped into the zeitgeist. But anyway, um, that, that's a, a sort of a coming copper company but Andrew's right it, there's not many around because copper tends to go with gold yeah I mean it's copper gold companies so yeah. it's, it's yeah. hard to isolate I guess the one that we do forget about is Rio mm -hmm. you know we, we talk about BHP the big Australian and we all worship uh -huh. at the ultra BHP but let's not forget Rio I know that they've been sort of um, naughty corporate citizens with some of their um, exploits in the last few years and, and that tragic um, work they did in the Pilbara which was just yes. ridiculous but they've got a massive copper project in Mongolia right 
Turquoise Hill is now kind of theirs. They've, yeah. they've done the takeover. We always forget about Rio. We go Samfire, BHP, um, Oz Minerals, because that's kind of been the focus. Yeah. But I think maybe uh, focus could switch a little mm. bit towards Rio. Of course, they got the majority is the iron ore, but they still have that big, right. big Mongolian copper <laughs> project. So yeah. worth considering. As far as this um, ETF goes, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been around for very long, to be right. honest. Uh, at least BHP's in there. Uh, which is good. I think copper is going to be one of the themes of 2023. I think there's going to be a few, but I think copper is going to be one of them. And uh, I think this may be a, a good way to get a diversified sort oh. of portfolio of copper stocks. So you're saying you, you would put money into this ETF? Yeah, I would. Oh. And uh, I'm... It, this is this is a showstopper, isn't it? Uh, it's amazing. It, it's sort of. It, I mean, it's, you know, it's the a, two of you have not me for six in just two stocks. I know. What, <laughs> look, what, what, look at Andrew; he's picking himself up <laughs> the floor too. What What worries me a little, I guess, is that you know, there's lots of these trendy ETFs get dreamt up with cool yeah. codes, you know, wire. Um, you know, or drug or food or hack or whatever. And they tend to try and tap into the zeitgeist at the moment. Yeah. And sometimes they're a little bit early. I think that the top of the, uh, the Alltech index in Australia was the day that they actually created the Alltech ETF. Right. It's never been the same since. It just went straight down from there. It's, yeah. it's been ridiculous. Uh, so that's, that's probably telling you something. But I think this one, okay. giving you that copper exposure, because it's just kind of muddled otherwise okay so so yes for the etf yes don't forget rio don't and then you've got rio. new century rio v new century what has the most potential uh well new, new century if it drops back if it my price was 90 so if it dropped back towards there but i think new century mount lyle is a bit of a game changer it has been a producer in the past it's been producing right. uh copper since 1890 it was Jeez. sort of mothballed in 2014 uh because of the price and they also had a pretty lousy safety record as well um, but it is kind of they've just done the pfs it's looking interesting okay all right um, Kevin wants to view Henry on DGL Group. Um, I don't think it's come up before. Um, involved in chemical <laughs> manu manufacturing and services. It's probably a reason mm. why it hasn't come up before. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this is one that I kind of liked and, and, and followed for a little while. Speciality chemical, right. much like I guess West Farmers is in some respects with their industrial chemicals. The problem is that it's thin. They really look at that chart there right. in August. That was the results. Right. Market not impressed. Right. Okay. Not impressed at all. It is thin and it does have uh, Simon Henry, I believe, is the founder and 54% shareholder. So he has yeah. a lot of skin in the game. But as you can see by that chart, he's lost a lot of skin. He's yeah. lost a lot of skin in the game. It wasn't a particularly good upgrade they've also done a number of acquisitions the market wasn't particularly right. um, over the moon about those so I, I, you and know. you got Incident pivot orica you got some yeah. reasonable companies yeah in that you, you have well. you have you have so you know and there's always west farmers which has been under a bit of a cloud because yep. of uh, the retail environment so uh, it's got a strong balance sheet it's got good founder skin in the game etc etc it's pretty thin they need to win back market confidence at these kind of levels it's probably um, a longer term story and it's probably a hold if you had it you'd hold it right. if you were looking at stuff to buy um, there's probably no. sexier stuff at the okay. moment to be honest uh, Andrew 
Yeah, and probably one thing, and I'm sure a number of your guests on the call have been saying this in January, just a tricky time of year to be buying because you've got January confession season and, of course, coming into February profit reporting season. Mm. So in particular, where you've got a company whereby, as we're saying, or Henry's saying rather, the founder's got 53 54% of the company, uh, then that's going to move it one way or the other, subject to what the results look like. So regardless of which companies we're talking about, just keep that in mind over the next sort of four to six weeks. Um, relating to this business, I mean, it's my, my view is it's sort of one of these roll-ups, you know, where they've been going around and buying a lot of the sort of smaller chemical makers. Um, some interesting stats, 3,800 customers, 230 trucks, 650 customers, so uh, staff rather. So they're doing a, a pretty good job in sort of uh, rolling it all up. But, you know, when you have roll-ups, you've got uh, cultural issues that you need to be contending with as well. As Henry said, the uh, results in August, the market obviously didn't view favourably. It's probably fairly priced at the moment. It's a PE of 12 on 12% earnings growth, so that peg ratio is about 1. But uh, I'd like to get through profit reporting season in February, see what's there, and then make a, a judgment call. So at the moment, it's a hold. Okay. All right. Nick wants a view. Uh uh, Andrew on Washington H. Sol Pattinson, the uh, listed investment group that you have a uh, bit of brickworks, a bit of new hope in the coal sector. Um, what do you think of Solpats? And of course, they uh, recently, or well, somewhat recently, merged with Milton as well. Yeah. Of course, Milton, one of the uh, oldest LICs, uh, listed investment companies that have been around it forever. And by virtue of that merger, Milton merger, they now have about $10 billion worth of assets that they're either owning or managing. So, and in fact, interesting fun fact, I'm sure you know this, but for those listening, watching at home, have been listed on the ASX or derivatives thereof since 1903. Wow. So uh, they've got a really good strong track record, even just from a longevity point of view. And they're across a whole range of eclectic things, um, telcos, building materials, energy, uh, financial services. Uh, pretty hard to bet against the Milner family. I've been quoted here before, quoting them, the Milner family, you know, the thicker the carpet, the thinner the dividend. It's one of the famous uh, Milner family sayings. So uh, it's pretty hard, you know, Koshi, you were talking about costs before. Yep. I'd argue that the Milner family is probably the antithesis of that. You know, they're very focused on costs. So I like Solpats. I think it's uh, really well run. There's obviously that cross-ownership thing with Brickworks. We could spend the rest of the show talking about that and the market's view on that. But generally speaking, I'm happy with Solpats and as a long-term investment, I'd be happy to buy it. Okay. Um, Henry? Well, I, I, I guess with Solpats, the question is, do you want to be long New Hope? Yep. Because that's, that's really where the, the, the money has been. They own 38% hmm. of New Hope. They own 12% of TPG. And let's face it, TPG has not been the driver of the share price no. recently. So. You know, the share price has done well because of New Hope. Right. Andrew's right, it is diversified. It's got a, a very diversified income stream. It's been a great performer. The family's really shrewd. But do you want to be long New Hope? So that's the, the question you have to ask yourself because that has been driving it. If we do see the coal price come off, we've got through the European winter now pretty much. We're at the end of January. With, you know, and that is going to take some of the pressure off the coal price. We could see some of these coal stocks start to, to edge lower. Yep. Um, they are quite volatile. They're chock full of cash, I've got to say. You know, sure. New Hope and West and Whitehaven, chock full of cash. 
but um, I think you know it, it's quality, quality management. They know what they're doing. They don't rip their um, their shareholders off in terms of fees, as as we've been talking about. You know, it's, it's definitely a hold, but you do have to like New Hope. If New Hope comes off 10, 20 percent, yeah. Pats is going to come off as well. Yeah, but Solpats has got others in the portfolio. It has. Hopefully. Well, it has. It has got some cushioning. Some of the others in the portfolio are harder to value. Yeah. You know, they're, they're unlisted or they're, you know, private sort of investments. So that means it's it's harder for the market to value. Yeah. So um, you have to bear that in mind. Okay. Whereas New Hope and TPG, pretty easy to value. Do you like these types of companies uh, or would you rather go direct? Because there's an argument saying, um, okay, I want to be on the coal bandwagon, bit nervous how far it's run, so I'll do it through Solpats, part of a portfolio, I get cushioning yep. if the coal price collapses. You, you do get some cushioning, that is the right. good thing. And and what they do tend to do is they tend to lag as well, so yep. New Hope will go up, no one will believe the fact that New Hope's gone up 5-10%, yep. yep. or 10, another 10%, another 20% or whatever, and Solpats will be sitting there going, oh, okay, you know what? And then some some bright spot go, you know what? Solpats own 38% yep. of New Hope, and they'll start buying New Hope. And similarly, when the thing comes off, it will take a while for that to sink yeah. in. Okay. So you might get a little bit of cushioning both ways. There's a bit of a lag, I suspect. Right. Um, certainly it does diversify. Good yield, good management. Yeah. These, the Milner family, they, they know their stuff. Okay. Um, but you've got to be... So you don't mind stocks like that? I don't, I don't, go, I don't mind Go direct it. into Brickworks, direct into New Hope yourself. The, the thing that I, I don't like so much is the unlisted aspect, the stuff right. that's private, because it's hard, it's a bit opaque. Right. You know, I prefer things that are listed and you can actually look at and go, well, this is the sum of the parts rather than somebody pinning the tail on the donkey yeah. and saying, this is how much this is worth. Okay. Andrew, what's your view on that? Yeah, and I mean, if we go all the way back to West Farmers um, yep. and when it was the Franked Income Fund, I'm now belying my age and Jeez. it was sort of $4. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do like, um, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? The, uh, Not really. <laughs> it's amazing what they can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but they, I really like that style of business. I mean, uh, Kerry Stokes, Ryan Stokes, what they're also doing with Seven Group as well. Yep. So um, quite like the business, uh, the model rather. But again, Henry's spot on. The more unlisted stuff in there, the mm. trickier it gets. Yep. But as a, at a high level, part of a diversified portfolio, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good. All right, let's recap the, uh, the first five stock stock of the day. Mineral resources, um, a hold from both Andrew and Henry. If it got down to the low $80 again, uh, load up quality business. Uh, Fisher and Pikel, uh, a hold from both. Uh, Andrew prefers ResMed. Uh, Beta Energy uh, Transition ETF. Uh, Andrew, a no, a rare no on an ETF from Andrew who prefers BHP. Um, and Henry could uh, not otherwise uh, disagree with the whisperer if he says no on an ETF. Uh, Global X Copper ETF, um, a buy on the weakness from Andrew. Uh, and surprisingly, Henry uh, has a buy on it as well. If you want exposure to copper, because there are many direct share investments in, into copper, uh, Rio and New Century. Are the two that um, that Henry likes, New Century, if it gets down to 90 cents. Uh, DGL Group, a hold from both Solpats, a buy from Andrew, and a hold from Henry. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy fund as 
judged and put together by the investment committee, which Henry is part of that. Uh, the last meeting was before Christmas, early December. That's live on the Ausbiz platform. The next one coming up in the next week or so. Back in December, they got rid of Babcor and Domino's, put Index and Janison Education in, increased the weighting in Elders. Since the 1st of March, the fund is up almost 15%. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, all right, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Domino's, uh, Enterprises Zero, uh, the Australian High Yield um, ETF, uh, Goodman Group and Macquarie Group. All right, uh, Catherine <laughs> wants to view uh, Henry on Domino's Pizzas. We uh, took that out yeah. of the portfolio early December. We're actually coming up to the anniversary, aren't we, of the portfolio? Oh, yeah, yep. I think we started it at the end of February last year. So yep. be interested to see how it goes. Dominoes. <sighs> what can you say? <laughs> what can you say about Dominoes? I, you know, I, I wasn't. I've never been massively a big fan of Dominoes, and I still, I guess, continue not to be a massive fan of Dominoes. I know they've done pretty well. Yep. They've just raised some money as well. Uh, which was very oversubscribed. So there's probably a little bit of indigestion there. I guess that the problem for them is, is food inflation, yep. uh, cheese, dairy. And we saw that the other day. I think it was UBS that put out a research report talking about uh, food price inflation at Coles and Woolies, 9.2%. Yes. We've just had 7. Point, what was it, 7.8% yep. on the CPI. So, you know, inflation is not dead. No. Um, not dead by a long shot. And this is obviously going to have some effect on dominoes. It's quite a competitive environment out there, not only in Japan, but also in Europe as well. So for me, this is probably a hold. You know, the management do a pretty good job. This, at the end of the day, this is all about selling franchises mm. to people, and uh, and then they, it sort of goes up the chain. Uh, they do it pretty well, but I can't. It's hard to get excited about this one okay. in this kind of environment. I don't know quite. Yeah, and there's all that indigestion from the from mm. the from the placement. So it's probably a hold. Seventy two fifty. There's a big short position in it as well. People like to go short. Um, I think there's probably better stocks. Okay. Andrew, Domino's? Love the indigestion. That was great. That was uh, very clever. <laughs> you like that? Um, the SPP is certainly going to weigh on the share price in the short term. Uh, I note consensus is also about 68 bucks, and where are we at the moment? 72, 73, something like that. Uh, it's not cheap. And I'm not talking because it's a 60 or $70 share. I'm talking about the PE. So the PE is around 39 times earnings. You're getting some earnings growth there, but again, it's failing that peg test. So uh, from my point of view, it is also a hold. The, probably the one uh, what, the one, one of its redeeming features is Jack Cowan, you know, of uh, yes. Hungry Jack's fame. Yeah. Uh, he owns still 20 percent plus of the business. Yeah. Uh, so he is invested, <coughs> if I could use the term. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is a so big investment. Yeah. Got a lot of skid in that game. Um, Sam, what's your view, Andrew, on Zero, the big uh, accounting platform uh, for small business? 
darling of the tech boom, like all tech stocks, been absolutely crunched. And I've had it on my watch list for a couple of months now, and it's starting to climb back a bit. Yeah, you, new chief executive. Look yeah, it, yeah, we'll come to that in a sec. The, um, the technically, it's looking interesting, but as a number of tech companies, they're starting to get their uh, acting to gear as expectations that potentially interest rates are going to start coming back off the boil towards the end of this year. Um, so in the whisper of super fund, I can't even believe I'm using that term to describe myself. Uh, I have very few uh, direct shares, one of which is zero. Oh. Uh, and I've had it since about 30 bucks. Um, so it was almost a revenge buy, frankly, Koshi, when I first bought it, because I'm a customer of Zero, and I thought, well, if they're getting me, I'm going to sort of at least get a small part of it back. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh, I love the and, honesty. And it and worked a treat there. Yes. Fifty. I'm like, how good am I? How good is this? And then, of course, as you said, it's... Uh, didn't end so well not so and i'm still holding it i still really like it when when it doubled i sold half so this is a free carry but anyway we're not here talking about saran super fun we're talking about what do we think is zero as an investment the thing that the market i think doesn't like is the fact that the uk government which was really pushing along this sort of digital taxation path mm. literally at the 11th hour has backed off mm. and that really was going to be a big driver for their business so as a consequence uh, the share price is mm. still remaining under pressure, never mind the macro things we were just talking about before. Australia and New Zealand is going really well. Obviously, the holy grail is US. Spoke um, earlier when we covered this off uh, last year or the year before, they had a uh, US um, chief executive officer who was in charge of PayPal there for a short period of time. He didn't last. And then, as you just pointed out, Koshi, we've got a new CEO, and that always just makes you a little bit nervous. What are they going to find? What's the new strategy, etc.? So high level... I still like it, but it's a type of company that you buy when everyone is sort of running for the hills. So, you know, if you can get it in that sort of $60 mark or in the 60s, I'd be very comfortable in buying it. The other quick thing is that they're spending a heap of money on R&D, like significant sums of money. Yeah. And again, in this environment, everyone's sort of worried about um, profitability. The market doesn't like it. I like it. Yeah. It's a buy at the right time. Okay. So a buy in the 60s. Or a buy now? I think so. Right. Buy no, 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 not at the moment. Because right. you just said it's run up. So back in the 60s. Yeah. Henry, the, the knock on it is that they've always invested the money back into the business, haven't they? they I think <laughs> one year they made a profit, a small profit, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I guess the, the reality is they're always going to have to invest money back into the business. Because yeah. the tax laws and the accounting laws change so much. Right. And they're in three, you know, major, three major areas, you know, the UK, the US and here yeah. in New Zealand. You know, you can't tell me that that's all going to be written in stone. There's no more R&D. The product's finished. Done. Sorted. Yeah. That's, that's never going to happen because things change. New government comes in, budgets, etc. So they're always going to be spending money on R&D. Where they have been spending lots of money is marketing and trying to get the sales in the US. They've been doing that for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and they still really haven't got the traction that you kind of would like to see. The upside is that if they pull back a little bit on the spending, that will help the near-term profitability, but it won't, hurt, it won't do much for the medium-term growth, to be honest. Uh, UK tax changes don't help. Um, it is the go, one of the go-to tech stocks. Let's face it, you haven't got too much choice in Australia. If you want to buy the, the tech sector because NASDAQ's running, you know, 
What are you going to buy? Yeah. What, Zero. Wise tech. One, yeah. Yeah. Wise tech. Wise tech. Yeah. There's not that many. Yeah. Um, so that gets that benefit. For me, it's a kind of a hold. But if it pushed up a little bit further, I'd probably start to look at taking some profits from the mm. bounce. Okay. Um, I, I can't fall in love with this. I know everyone does. I know it's viral. And I know once you've got it, it's fantastic, etc. And it has been a market darling. But I'd love to see some progress in the US. Yep. Yeah, I really would because otherwise it's just a money pit and so many Australian companies have gone to the US and said it's a massive opportunity and we're going to make these great inroads. It is a massive opportunity. The US is a massive opportunity. You know, when the Beatles, let's go to the Beatles, the Stones, you know, it was a massive opportunity. But so many bands didn't make it in the US. So many Australian companies don't make it in the US. It's not an easy market. It's competitive. So... um, for me, it's yeah, you, could t- you could talk about the addressable market. The addressable you've market. Made, you've actually got to dress it. Well, you've got to dress it, and everybody else has gone. Ooh, I wonder if yeah. we should go to the US. Well, you know, they're not Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, look at that addressable market. I love the addressables. Um, so it's probably at best to hold. Okay. All right. Uh, back to the ETFs, Whisperer. And uh, George says one of the best performing ETFs was, of course, the. Uh, uh, the Vanguard Australia High Yield Shares ETF uh, won the best performing in 2022. Will it continue into 2023? Well, to answer that question, you've really got to take a view on the market because if you look at what it's holding, it's all the things that are the market constituents, your BHPs, your Woodsides, your Commonwealth Banks. So basically anything that's got a, not only a good dividend, but is sustainable. So in other words, it's not just sort of a one-off that it mm. will continue to do so. A um, couple of rules around this ETF. It will ha- only hold no more than 10% of one company. So I note that as an example, BHP a couple of days ago got to 10.3% of this ETF. So you'd have to think it's going probably going to get trimmed. Uh, it will only have no more than 40% in one sector. I think that's a wink and a nod to uh, uh, be, not being too overweight banks. Not that 40% is an overweight, of course. And it also screens out REITs. So anything involved in that property trust sector gets screened out as well. But I quite like it. You know, if you're sort of saying, I want to get income exposure, but how do I go about it? Well, what this does is it's basically screening the market, has identified 74 using those parameters, constantly rescreening it, making sure it's sustainable. If you look at the dividend, I mean, the probably the one f- flaw with this, as it is with a number of these income ETFs, is the dividend is not predictable. So over the last 10 years, at worst, the dividend's been 3.6% per annum, and at best, it's been about 7.7% per annums. And mm-hmm. so that's obviously a f- pretty volatile sort of range. Yeah. So if you're trying to have some predictability of income, that's probably the one fault. But in the context of the broader basket, I'm pretty relaxed with this. Okay. So, uh, yes, Henry? Um, I'm pretty relaxed with this one as well. I mean, Andrew's absolutely right. The Whisperer always is right, let's face it, on, on the ETFs. And, you know, it's got 10% in BHP, 10% in Commonwealth Bank. These are both at pretty much close to all-time highs. Yep. So you are, if you're coming to this afresh, that's something to bear in mind that, you know, the market has run. And the, the reason it's been such a great performer, let's face it, is BHP has had the most stellar 2022. Yep. It really has. I'm 35 yep. bucks to 50 bucks, and you've got all that lovely dividends, and you've got all those Woodside. Yep. So, yep. you know, what more can you ask for? This is, you know... 
as good as it gets in oh. some respects. So get out of BHP? Um, I don't know about get out of BHP, but I don't think we're going to see BHP go from 50 bucks to 75 bucks right. in 23. And we're not going to see that 50% okay. run that so we saw I, in 22. I was the other day, I was listening to one of the interviews that just escaped me who with, who was saying, um, if you trade a BHP between 50 and $35, that's all you needed to do yep. as an investor. Yeah. Uh, because it, or it cycles down to $35, you load up then, wait for it to go to 50 yeah, and then take your profits and get out. Yeah, I remember when it was twelve dollars as well. Right. Okay. So we're going back a bit, few more years. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that there was that. So much at the top of its range. It now. is at the top of its range. It's all time high. It doesn't get much better for BHP. All the stars have aligned, big well, time. Why wouldn't you take profits off? Well, I think you probably should. Right. To be honest, but I don't. You know, I think there should be. Uh, you should have a core position. Right. And then maybe trade around mm. it okay. uh, and trade the intraday volatility. It's, resource stocks are cyclical. Yeah. Every stock is cyclical. Every yep. sector is cyclical. Uh, you know, banks are cyclical. At one stage, you could have bought all the banks for a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, a hundred buck chuck, four banks, four bank share price, a hundred bucks. Yeah. Now it's a hundred and ninety dollars. Yeah. So, you know, they are, everything is, goes in cycles. But um, this is a good ETF. Nice yield, fully franked. Mm. Um, it's got exposure to all the biggies. Uh, it's got some nice rules, so it doesn't get too big in, in BHP yep. or CBA. But you are buying CBA and BHP close to the all-time highs. Yep. The bank, the other banks, not so. But certainly, that you're making that bet. Okay. So it, it's it's probably you know it's a, it's a great ETF if you like the market and if yep. you like BHP. Okay, uh, would you be taking profits on BHP, Andrew? No, um, I would. Well, sorry, I would be considering it, but remembering we're coming into profit reporting season, and so therefore they are pregnant with the dividend. Mm. Right. Uh, now, if the dividend's not important to you, well, now's the time to sell because you know the share price generally runs into the dividend. But equally, so if you've been patiently waiting for your dividend for the last four and a half months why would you judge yourself yes. at the finish line? Of yeah. course, the, the premise of that being that the market doesn't implode. So uh, I would be considering it, but I wouldn't be doing it. Okay. All right. Uh, Damien wants a view on uh, Goodman Group, Henry, the uh, the big property group. Um, bit of a, a darling of that, uh, uh, of the markets focused on industrials and warehousing rather than yep. too much commercial office building. It has well and truly been a darling, I have to say. Yep. It's massively well run. Uh, great management team. They've done an extraordinary job. And, you know, there, there's nothing really wrong with Goodman Group. Obviously, all the REITs tend to move together to some extent. There, there's obviously a quantum effect, yeah. but uh, together um, because of interest rates. Now, 7.8% CPI. What is the RBA going to do? Are we going to see um, you know, a tougher, more hawkish RBA, in which case the REITs and Goodman Group will start to come off a little bit again. They've had a good run, and you know, we've seen that retail isn't dead. Yep. And Goodman Group, all those logistics centres, online and offline, they do very well out of them. This is a quality company. It's, it's definitely a hold. I'm not sure I'd buy it now, given the run it's had and given the CPI number we've had, and maybe Phil Lowe talks tough, but yeah. um, you know retail is not dead. Super cheap, and what have we else? We've had JB Hi-Fi yeah. and Maya. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. the best results for donkeys years. Mm. Incredible. The department store dinosaur that was. I, I know. To be, 
going out backwards. I know, and here we are, it's the renaissance. Yeah. The I'm not sure why, yeah. um, but clearly they're doing something right now. Yep. Uh, but um, yeah, Goodman for me is a hold, but um, you know, let's just see what happens in the next couple of months in terms of inflation yep. and interest rates. Okay. Andrew, what do you think of Goodman? I must admit I was heading out to Macquarie Fields uh, just before Christmas and I went my ways GPS took me a back way I've never been before <laughs> went through um, Horsley Park yeah, um, lots of the, that and the massive logistics centre still being built there lots of them with Goodman signs on them Goodman Group uh, it's phenomenal it just knocked my socks off I thought I had no idea it was the extent huge yeah look I I agree with the professor. I uh, I think REITs are going to remain under REITs, uh, listed property trusts for those who are old enough to remember them as those, uh, will remain under pressure in the short term whilst everyone's trying to figure out what's going with, on with interest rates. And if someone can tell me what's going to happen, that would be helpful. Um, but in all seriousness, it's a really well-run business. It's in the right space, that logistics industrial space. Uh, the guys and girls that run Goodman are incredibly switched on, uh, but it's not cheap. You're paying 20 times earnings for all the headwinds we just spoke about. Uh, so again, it's probably one that if there's a market correction, it was to pull back 10%. It's definitely uh, one of those longer term core portfolio holdings. Okay. All right. Final uh, stock, Andrew Simon wants a view on Macquarie Group, the, uh, the big bank. Your yeah, alma mater with uh, with the professor here. With the professor, um, look out, out of all the and in fact I've really enjoyed the last five. I think all five in this sort of second half of today. I've really I like all of the businesses that we've discussed. Um, maybe not so much Domino's, but um, in the context, this is probably my number one pick for today. I really like Macquarie. Um, it's a really well-run business. It's uh, certainly in the context of that annuity versus transactional uh, mix they've got. You know, it's now skewing towards the, uh, or starting to get more of a skew towards that annuity side. Still trading below consensus. Uh, PE is probably a little high at 16 times, but it is an absolute beneficiary of volatility in markets. I can't remember who it was who came out the other day that said that uh, they're going to benefit by virtue of just uh, volatility in the energy market alone. It'll probably add about 2% to their earnings just by virtue of that mm. one market and the volatility that Macquarie's playing there. Uh, it's a really, really, really well-run business. So uh, I'm very comfortable buying this. And, you know, you talk about your three companies to have in your portfolio. Uh, this would certainly be one for me. So it's, it is a buy. Mm. Okay. The thing that I'm wondering is how Andrew and I were ever let into the, the halls <laughs> of Macquarie <laughs> and that we passed the psych test. Um, it's a four-hour test. Uh, really? Yeah, it was a big time. Um, it was a big test. I didn't wow. have much of an interview. I went for a beer with someone and then they sent me along to uh, Chandler oh, Cloud. So Oh, and you did the four hours? And I did the four-hour psych test, and I still passed it. It's hard to believe. Did they give you the result? Um, Were you surprised at what it told you? What they do is, um, when I became more senior, I had access to everybody that worked in my department, because I ran a trading division. I had access to all their psych tests, right. all their IQs, because the psych test also reveals what turns people on, right. You know what, what motivates them, whether it's money, whether it's 
you know, seniority, how they get right. turned on, which is really cool. So you can actually work that to your advantage when you're doing, you know, when yeah. you're appraising staff and also when you're, you're managing staff. So I did get privy to mine uh, <laughs> subsequently. Was uh, it a shock? Well, it was a shock. They said that I wasn't very motivated and that I had call reluctance. <laughs> I didn't like phoning people up. <laughs> <laughs> which I have to say is probably absolutely <laughs> spot on because I'm not a great guy to get on the phone right. and do cold, cold calls. calls. Cold right. calls. Yeah. So, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Both of us made it through the four-hour site test and you know, I was there for seven years and Andrew right. was there for a couple of years as well. Um, so you know, clearly we did something right. This company is one of my three bedrocks, uh, the, the stocks that I would put if I was starting from scratch. It is quality. Um, they have done an amazing job, uh, great diversification, great international exposure. It is a market stock though, let's, let's make no yeah. bones about it. They, they are leveraged not just to energy and commodities and other markets, but also to deal flow. Yep. You know, there's a lot of deal flow here that they, they do leverage off private equity deals, advising, takeovers, etc. So there is that. And if we do see a slowdown in 2023, that will obviously impact Macquarie. But they do have, you know, a very big diversified business. They're also big into the mortgage market now. Yep. You know, every yeah. advert you see on the bus shelters is, you know, do you bank with Macquarie? To the high end. To the high, I do bank with Macquarie. I've still got a staff right. account, which right. is amazing, right. which is absolutely ridiculous because it's completely useless. Right. Um, but I, it's my everyday account. I can't believe I haven't changed it. But um, gotta love this one. Okay. Gotta love so here's a buy of this. It is a buy. 185 it's, bucks, getting back towards. I prefer to 200. buy it when it was weak at 165, <clears throat> but it yeah. run with the market, and I think this is still a buy. Right. It'll get back to 200. Okay. All right. Let's uh, check the. Uh, final five stocks, Domino, uh, a hold from both, uh, Zero, a hold from both, um, Oz High Yield ETF, the Australian Shares High Yield ETF, uh, the Vanguard one, a buy from both if you're after that income exposure, Goodman, a hold from both, and Macquarie, a buy from both. Um, thank you, Whisperer, uh, Andrew Island from uh, DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Uh, what's bringing the crowds to the Empire in Toowoomba at the moment? What have you got on? So we've got our major production, The Boy from Oz. Oh, uh, that's mm. uh, premieres in about six weeks' time. But Koshi, really exciting after a very challenging, without being kept at obvious, 2020-2021. There are very few weekends where there aren't at least one or two performances every go. weekend. We are looking at a blockbuster uh 12 months for yep. the theater so things are going well yep forget crown and star entertainment the yep. empire of toowoomba is where <laughs> it's at and uh to the professor henry jennings from Marcus today good to see you sir Always thank you for joining us thanks Gossie. um if you have any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels put them in an email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle small caps is next with nadine don't go away you're watching osbiz <laughs>